Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat, a show where I interview business executives, talent development professionals, and thought leaders to find out what has been successful and challenging in the world of talent development. My objective is to share ideas, valuable lessons, tools, advice, and trends. My hope is that all of this will ultimately help you, the listener, expand your knowledge, grow your career, and accelerate your success as a talent development professional. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am so grateful that you are joining me today. I have a fantastic interview for you with my good friend, Dr. Richard Schuster. And Dr. Richard is a licensed clinical psychologist, keynote speaker, CEO of Mars Industries, and the host of the Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster, Food for the Brain, Knowledge from the Experts, Tools to Win at Life which is regularly downloaded in over 100 countries. On his podcast, Dr. Schuster's guests educate and inspire listeners through their stories, expertise, and passion for helping make uh, a difference in the lives of others. His mission is to help people become the best versions of themselves and as a result, make the world a better place. Dr. Richard is a sought-after media expert. He has His clinical expertise uh, and his podcast have been featured in such publications as the Huffington Post, NBC News, Glassdoor, Reader's Digest, Men's Health, Cosmo, and now this podcast. Oh, how about Richard, that? Welcome to the Talent <laughs> Andy, it's an honor to be here. I'm a big fan of everything that you do, and I know this is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much. And I was just reading about all those experts that have been on your podcast, The Daily Helping, and I remembered that I have been on there as well. So I, it's good to know you make exceptions every now and then for uh, <laughs> you know, people that maybe don't know what they're talking about, but they, they talk a good game. Uh, but speaking of people that know what they're talking about, I met you, uh, I think we connected on social media, but we met in person at a podcast conference a few months ago in Orlando and you shared with me a little bit of your story and I was just so impressed with everything you've done and the mission that you're on to help people. And since then, you've come out with this really groundbreaking assessment tool uh, that I know is going to be really helpful in companies as well as uh, on the personal side. And I want to get into that. But uh, first, I thought we'd start with a little bit of background. I'd love to hear you know, who you are and how you got to where you are today. So my, my story you know, is interesting in that I was probably the, the antithesis of somebody you would have wanted to have on your show in my early 20s. I, I was on my way in my mind to becoming the next Tony Stark and not the cool Tony Stark who was the Avenger, the really narcissistic, horrible, selfish Tony Stark before he became Iron Man. And 
my story was I bid on, in my early 20s, a government contract with the Department of Defense, not, not for weapons, but it was software related, and I won it. And I had no business winning it, but I did. And all of a sudden now I'm in this world of technology and working with the government. And I, in my mind, was building an empire and started focusing a lot of my time and energy on things like what I thought an empire builder should have, like boats. And I would literally go on eBay and look for islands for sale and things of that nature. And that was my world. I never wanted to have a family. I never wanted to get married. I never really cared about at that point anything but money. And that's not how I was raised. All of this was post-college for me. And then on one day, I had a life-changing experience in which I was in a horrific car accident in which I broke my spine, injured a number of organs, and almost tore every ligament in my neck. And there's been a lot of research in neuroscience and what happens to us when we're about to die. And a lot of people hear that cliche, oh, I see my life flash before my eyes. It doesn't exactly work that way. What happens a lot of times, and, and we have accounts of soldiers who have experienced this going back prior to World War I even, is that the brain, when it senses eminent danger, a lot of times will slow you down to the degree, kind of think Neo in the Matrix when he's first experiencing those bullets moving by in slow motion. So this car accident that I was in, maybe three seconds from when the first car hits me, my airbag is deployed, I'm sent spinning into oncoming traffic, I get hit again, and then sent back the opposite way and ultimately crash into a telephone pole, which stopped my momentum. That was literally a blink of an eye. And yet in that moment, I'm having this full-on dialogue with myself. And it wasn't one of these, like, a Christmas story, dear God, if you let me live tomorrow, I'm going to go give presents to orphan boys or girls. I was dead, Andy. I, I knew that I was dead. And as I'm watching the center console crush into my ribs and seeing the light refract off these little pieces of my windshield that are floating in the air, I had this conversation with myself, and, and I was overwhelmed with shame and guilt. And shame in that... I have accomplished very little in my life that's of worthy and value. Guilt that my parents were about to get a phone call that I was dead. And I was just terrified at how I let a life, even at that young age, go to waste. And so that's really what began a journey for me of changing gears and doing things that are more altruistic and help people in a lot of different ways. Man, what a life-changing event that must have been. And uh, you hear that a lot, right? And for people in life, maybe it's not always a, a car accident that almost kills them, but um, people are going in one direction and just blind to everything else going on in life until something hits them someday, either a tragedy or something else wakes them up. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. 
That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. So it sounds like you started to make some big changes from there. How did you get into everything that you're doing now in you know, this mission of helping people, the podcast, the, you know, the, the practice, the assessment, everything else you're doing? It's so interesting. Timing is everything, right? And sometimes success in life and in business comes from accidentally being in the right place at the right time. So after the fallout of all of this, and when I mustered the courage to walk away from my company, I had absolutely no idea what I was going to do with my life. I was extremely overwhelmed with fear and regret and wasn't sure what my next course of action was. And I did heal, of course, and you know, I can walk and do everything that I always used to be able to do, and I'm very lucky where I broke my back physically. But in terms of my life, I mean, I was just devastated. And if Instacart had existed then, I'm not sure what my life would be now, because the only reason I really left the house was to go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And on one particular day, when I was in, going to get groceries, I overheard two women talking about their teenage daughters and their behaviors on social media. And because I had this background in in networking and technology, I interjected myself into their conversation, which wasn't even something that I really regularly would do anyway, and just gave them some advice. And in doing that, their eyes got really big and I probably scared them more than I helped them, which wasn't my intent. And they asked me to come speak at their PTA And that led me to starting to speak about technology and how to use it to help families and protect them. This was pre-cell phones. And then at one of these schools where I spoke, I was asked to be a mentor, which gave me kind of a a sample of pseudotherapy. It wasn't really therapy, but I was like, huh, this could be something. And I, I returned to graduate school and obtained a couple masters and ultimately my, my doctorate in clinical psychology, where I had advanced training in forensic and neuropsychology. But it was really sitting, working with patients was a great honor. And I, I was always grateful to be anybody who's in the helping profession will tell you that it's an honor to be a part of somebody's change process. And yet, I wanted to go bigger and help people on a broader scale. And that was really the impetus for me creating the podcast. But in terms of the psychological assessments, I I felt as a clinician, because assessments are all that I did. Uh, Many, many who are in this in the space that I worked in would do principally therapy, right? Psychotherapy, and then do assessment as they had to. All I did was assessment. And on one hand, I loved it because I I'm a scientist. And so I love data. I love numbers. I love being able to apply behaviors and and evaluate them against thousands of people and be able to extrapolate information from that. On the other hand, the assessment industry is very pejorative by nature. It's extremely restrictive and the gatekeepers hold all of the access. Uh, Many of them are extremely greedy. In addition to the fact that most of the assessments that you're going to take are not overly helpful. They tell you everything that's wrong with you but they don't share with you how you can make changes in your life to, to improve. They just, here's the big red F I'm giving Andy about all the things that's wrong with him, right? And, and so I sought out to build a company that was different and to where we created instruments that helped people improve their lives and help people in a variety of s- spaces 
and situations. So we have assessments for the military, which is ironic. It kind of brings me full circle in that regard, but helping soldiers and their families who've experienced PTSD and treating it in a very different way. We have assessments in the substance abuse space that take a look at addiction and recovery, not just at a personal level, but in a corporate level as well, to where our tool is is unique. And what we do is we help individuals find out what are the three strengths that they have, the three things about their personality that are most likely to help them maintain their sobriety, as well as in evaluation of their current life circumstances, as well as in conjunction with those personality factors that are most likely to derail their abstinence. And so we've had a lot of traction with that in the public space. We've had a lot of traction with that as EAP programs in the corporate world. And we're talking to a number of state agencies as well as the DOD about using that for veterans. And so as it probably most specifically relates to your audience, we have an assessment tool for the corporate space called the powers. And this one's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun developing this. And this stands, the power stands for the predictor of world-class excellence rating scales. And what we do is we took a look at seven dimensions and then there are 21 subgroups that are empirically associated with success in life. And notice I didn't just say success in work, but success in life. So we do heavily emphasize the corporate side of things, leadership roles, workplace performance. Uh, but we also take a look at interpersonal intelligence, which I know you, you know that the literature has shown that to be an emerging thing in the, in the workplace, that emotional intelligence and its subgroups, which we take a look at, are really becoming on the forefront of things. So we're also looking at work-life balance and stress tolerance and dimensions of leadership and wellness and relationships with coworkers, relationships with family. It's a very unique tool. The feedback has been exceptional, and I'm very grateful with the opportunity to, to share that with the world because it's been an instrument that looks at things very differently than some of the other tools that have been out there, you know, such as the DISC and the VIA and some of these other instruments. Well, that is uh, some really cool stuff. And it sounds like a lot of work, first of all. Um, but it also sounds like a lot went into it. And uh, so you shared a little bit of the why. Uh, I'm sure people are curious about the how. How did you create this? Was there a lot of research that went into it? Was it more from your own experience? Or how did you go about creating these different assessments? That's a, really, that's, a, that's a really great question. Uh, when you're creating an assessment instrument, and, and these took years to develop, uh, there's a tremendous amount of research that goes into all of them. With respect to the powers in particular, much of the research involved with the creation of this was around the big five personality factors. And so that was the, the seminal basis of this. And so as you're building out the questions and you're doing split testing and you're figuring out what makes sense and you're making sure that it ties back to empiricism, which is the most important thing. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very tedious and long process. But what you're left with is once you, when you actually use science to peel back the layers of the onion, you're left with some constructs that are sound and that are exceptional in their capacity to inform the test taker about themselves. You mentioned the five personality factors. What are those? So what I mentioned was the big, that five, you said. The, the, the big five. So this has come around, the, the big five has been around for a long time. And you might have seen it pop up 
in tests that are known as, for example. The NEO-PI is one. It, it's, it's kind of a seminal test. And so we have these different personality aspects that this research has suggested are generally uh, a part of people's makeup. So the acronym OCEAN is one that's really been out there. So you've probably heard this in different ways, openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And so while there are many of those constructs that make sense in 2019, many of them don't. So neuroticism in particular is one that we're really not looking for neuroticism in the workplace in the same way that like the disc talks about dominance in the workplace. That's not really a tenant that we look for in 2019. So using some of the research for that, we converted those into dimensions that make a lot more sense in 2019. And so we're not just using those five or versions of those five, we're applying data and research from those five and then expanding on that with the other dimensions that we tap. So in, in essence, we're really measuring you when you take this and 21 dimensions. So each of these main subscales, and I'll tell you what they are, interpersonal intelligence, rational intelligence, cultural intelligence, work-life equilibrium, wellness, dimensions of leadership, and introspective intelligence, those are our prime seven. And then there are subdivisions within each of those, which we refer to on our measure as success subgroups. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting organizations with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. And we're also proud to be providing tons of great content and inspiration to you and everyone out there during troubled times. You can go to advantageperformance.com to find any of our weekly webinars, insights, white papers, and blogs we've been putting out to help you survive and thrive during challenging times. That website, again, is advantageperformance.com. And now back to the show. I wanted to, and I know we don't have time to go into all of these, and I'm sure people can go take a look at your website and the assessments uh, after this interview. Um, I want to dig into one of them in particular. That's the interpersonal um, assessment and you, or the interpersonal uh, dimension. And you mentioned earlier that uh, emotional or EQ or emotional connection or interpersonal connection is becoming increasingly important in the workplace. And I agree with you 100%. I, I've seen that as well. Uh, I wonder if you could tell me a little bit more about why that is and why that's becoming so important in the future, why people should be looking more at that. I, I think when the book Emotional Intelligence 2.0 came out, it really set off a firestorm in, in terms of awareness about this because you, you know CEOs read books and then everything kind of trickles down. So there was a lot of excitement about it when that was released. This is something that 
from a, a standpoint of science we've known about for a while. And in fact, I, I recently read something on LinkedIn. It was a quote from Gary Vaynerchuk about emotional intelligence. And what he said, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was along the lines of, you might have a phenomenal salesperson and he might be able to close deals, but if he's low on EQ, he is the weakest link in your company. He's the weakest link in your business. And so emotional intelligence is critical because as we become more aware of it, businesses and employees are awakening to the fact that the way that we treat each other interpersonally is critical. And in fact, we, this is also in parallel with the rise of the millennial workplace and their desire to be purpose-driven in the work that they do, that the organizations they work for have a mission statement, that they're, they're, they're socially responsible. So there's a social connectedness within interpersonal intelligence. And the, the way that we look at it is we have three subgroups. And our, our subgroups are nonverbal communication intelligence. So how well are you able to read the nonverbal behavior of others? How well are your employees able to read the nonverbal behavior of others? And then sociability and social connection. So that takes it out of the nonverbal into the actual relationships. And our third success subgroup for this dimension is empathy, which is a key component because if you don't have empathy, the, the social connections become far more difficult. And so we have questions that rate on all those. And the way that our scoring works is the algorithm defines your scoring in, in one of three categories. So if, you, if this is an absolute strength for you, it shows up on our instrument as an exceptional score. Uh, if it's, you're, you're compared to the general population doing well but could be doing better, it's intermediate score. And if this is someplace where you need some work, it shows up as a focus area. And so interpersonal intelligence is becoming critical. And it's very interesting, too. We've seen in the East that China, in particular, in the last several years, has really placed an emphasis on interpersonal intelligence and emotional intelligence. And it's been difficult for them because culturally, these are things that have not been stressed in the past. So while it seems the West is taking to this concept more easily than the East, uh, the East is certainly recognizing that, that it's essential. Yeah, they may have a long way to go just because of the hierarchical nature of how business has always been done there. And yes. um, people don't really connect personally at work um, and they keep the home and work life separate, which, you know, was part of our history in the United States as well. Although that's changing a lot, especially if you look at the millennial generation and even Gen Z, uh, where that's becoming a lot more overlapped. People are working from home and, and, and uh, doing personal things at work. Um, and they're, I think, more commonly people are friends with their coworkers, right? And I think that makes empathy even more important. Um, but I think a lot of people have different definitions of what that means. So when you talk about empathy, what does that mean and why is that particularly important for people in the workplace? Empathy allows you, well, let me, I'll back up. Sympathy is when you have the ability to feel sorry for somebody who's having problems, right? oh, your, your car didn't start. I'm sorry that happened to you. Empathy is really the capacity to put yourselves in someone else's shoes and say, I understand what you're going through. And it's important in business at a lot of levels. One, certainly 
from a team building standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, it's, it's pretty self-evident why those would be important. But in dealing with customers, if you're trying to help them solve a problem, customers want to know that you feel them. They want to know in 2019 that you really get what is the problem that they're struggling with and that you're there to be not just selling them a widget, but you're there to be a part of that solution. And so when you are high in empathy, you have the ability to do that. And it's really an important skill. I believe that. And it's something that I've worked on a lot and I'm always trying to get better with and encourage people to get better with as well. I think that it becomes increasingly more important. I've talked about this on the podcast in the past, but you know, getting a little bit um, looking forward at the, the future of work, I think in this increasingly digital world when we're, everyone is more, quote, connected, I think being able to make personal connections is going to be uh, more and more important, possibly the most important skill to be successful in business, not just in sales, but building relationships in business, in companies to get deals done, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're trying to move up in a company. And uh, I, I think that we're seeing that with a lot of leaders that we look to now, uh, and so it's going to be important to be able to look at your people, use an effective assessment to figure out, okay, how good are they with this? Can we help them? Are there areas where we can develop? And so to that end, uh, this podcast is all about talent development. Can companies, can people use this assessment to now build development plans and figure out where to develop and, and help their people? I imagine you're able to identify gaps but you said that was kind of a miss in, in past assessments that was only about weaknesses. Um, so can this help people figure out where they need to go develop their people? It can. And, and not only are instruments that are just about weaknesses a miss, if your instrument is solely about strengths, but not these other factors that come into one's life, that's a miss as well. Uh, I, I recently heard Garrett Gunderson speak at an event and he was talking about a survey that was done of Fortune 1000 CEOs. And I don't remember the number of people exactly interviewed. But what he said was that overwhelmingly, the majority of the CEOs that they spoke to, well, financially, of course, were very successful. They had poor health. Many of them were divorced. Many reported strained relationships with their kids. Many reported that they had a poor balance between work life and home life. And so we do give you what your superpowers are. You are going to find out these areas on the powers to where you really shine. But we're also going to help you understand how does stress tolerance impact your life? What does your relationship look like with family and friends? How are, what are your relationships like with your coworkers? And so the powers was designed once we've completed the algorithm and it, that it's, it's self-interpretable. So you could take this and you're going to get a 12, 13 page printout that you can go over bit by bit and, and learn a lot about yourselves. But it's also designed for consultants. It's designed for coaches. It's designed for HR and team leaders and organizations to take this as a talking point and utilize the results to improve the, these focus areas for employees. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, for companies as well as consultants coming in to be able to put together a plan and help them figure out how to develop their people. Um, one more question, as you're looking at this and you start to look at a lot of assessments um, and 
you know, where things might be going in the working world. And you asked me this question when I was on your podcast. Um, what are the big trends that you're seeing in the working world right now with regards to talent development, people development, or how companies are working uh, and how things might be changing? The most imp important thing that I've seen in terms of shifts, and it's similar to what you and I talked about on, on my podcast, is as the millennial generation and then, I'm going to back up. The millennial generation is the largest chunk of the population, and they work in different ways than baby boomers did. Baby boomers you know, were the traditional nine-to-fivers, right? Like they punch the clock, and they go in, and they do their thing, and they go home, whereas millennials don't do that. Millennials work very differently. They work when they work at five o'clock. They want to go play trivia with their friends or, or connect in meaningful, and I don't mean that at, at all in a, in a flippant or disrespectful way. My point is that they want to spend time with people they care about. And so then they'll go out and they'll come back and they'll get on their computer at 9.30 at night and they'll start doing more work. So when you have a workplace that's starting to emphasize relationships, values, and social purpose, if, you're in, if your company doesn't reflect those things, and in particular, if your employees don't, don't reflect those things, you're going to suffer because that's where everything is going. One of my favorite people, and I, and I was so grateful when he came on my show, was Bob Berg and his book, The Go-Giver, and everything that he talks about, and, and that companies moving forward, I mean, he's really a strong advocate for this, as you know, that you have to be purpose-driven in the work that you do, and not revenue-driven. And I think that is the biggest shift, and, and certainly companies exist to make money. Like they, If they don't have money, whether they're altruistic or not, the lights get shut off. So we recognize that revenue driving is critical, of course. However, if you serve to help others first, then the revenue comes as a result of that. So I think that's the biggest thing by far. Uh, the, the other thing is certainly the blurring of the lines and the integration that technology has in, in the workplace and the rise of artificial intelligence, where the things that LinkedIn, that Microsoft is doing with LinkedIn right now is unbelievable. And I think you're going to see a lot of jobs in the next, and it's coming sooner than people realize, uh, that you're going to see a lot of jobs look like telegraph operators in the 1890s, right? When the telephone was coming around, because you're going, the, the artificial intelligence algorithms are getting to a point, and, and we're not 20 years away from this, we're probably five to 10 to where they're really going to be able to replace a lot of jobs. In fact, they already are in a lot of ways there. I, I guarantee you people listening to this, you've gone on a website and responded to a chat and it's been a bot. It's not even been a human and that technology is getting so much more advanced. And so I think people are going to really need to reinvent themselves and talent in particular has to really figure out what are your what are your superpowers because when technology starts driving people out of roles then you really have to shine to attract and maintain clients 
Yeah, I agree. I'm seeing those trends as well. And I think a lot of jobs are being eliminated while a lot of jobs are being created. And there's always a debate about, you know, whether there'll be less or the same amount of jobs in the future. Uh, by the way, if you are worried about artificial intelligence taking your job, a website I discovered a long time ago and I've mentioned on the podcast in the past is willrobotstakemyjob.com. I have no affiliation with this website at all. I don't even know the people that created it, but you can put in any job and it will give you a probability that your job will be taken by robots in the future. So for instance, I just put in customer service representative and it says there's a 55% chance that customer service representatives will be replaced by robots, which I thought was pretty low. I thought it'd be a little higher than that, but I guess it depends uh, on what's going on. But anyway, I thought that'd be a, a tool to add to your tool, uh, your tool belt. Uh, Richard, we're going to start adding, uh, wrapping up here. Speaking of tools, I know you have this assessment tool. Uh, is there any other tool or maybe another book that you want to recommend for people to get more educated on this and, and help their workforce? So we, in terms of a book specific to assessments, I don't. I would say in terms of talent development, and, and we're taking kind of a, a segue here, one of my favorite books that I've read in the last number of years is The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Uh, he is phenomenal. And yeah, we've had him on this show. Yeah, he, yeah he's, he's really amazing. And so that's a great book for really finding out what's your superpower and pulling back the layers and figure out how to, how to utilize that in your life. Um, the assessment itself, what we do offer, and in fact, I'll offer this to your audience as well, is if, if somebody takes the assessment, we have a comprehensive guide, a 54-page document on using the Powers test results to help you find your dream job if you're not already in your dream job. And, and we'll certainly give that away to any of your audience that uses the code TALENT to pick that up. Uh, imagine many of your listeners are in their dream job, which is super cool. But if you're not, that's something exceptional that you could take a look at to, to change some things and increase happiness in your life. Awesome. And I, I appreciate you mentioned The Big Leap by Dr. Gay Hendricks. Big fan of that book and him. And we've had him on the podcast twice. So go back and check those out if you haven't listened to those interviews. And uh, I want to finish with where people can go to get this assessment, where they can get in contact with you. You mentioned um, using code talent. So what's the website and uh, what should they do? So they can, we actually have two flavors of this. So the, the one that I'm going to send everybody to is seekyourpowers.com. Again, that's seekyourpowers.com. And that is the powers that an individual could take and check out all the good things that we talked about earlier. And then the website itself overall, marsassessment.com, has the link to the powers for corporations and consultants. Uh, very similar, just different normative data, of course. But that's the best place to get your hands on the powers. And again, using that code TALENT, um, it will get you that dream job guide as well for free. Dr. Richard, this has been great. I know you are going to help a lot of people with these assessments and all the things that you're doing. And I love the mission that you're on uh, to help people and to change the world. I know you and I are aligned and on similar missions there. And it's uh, great that we're able to keep in touch, to be friends, to follow and, and help and support each other. And I look forward to doing more of that in the future. And I appreciate you coming on the podcast today to share some of your wisdom and experience with us. So thanks again for coming on the Talent Development Hot Seat. Thanks for having me, Andy. It was great. All right. Take care. If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new Talent Development Think Tank membership community. 
Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to tdtt.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible and we need your help. As always, you can find more information and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care.